Well, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, All Nations Church, wherever you're watching this, however you're watching this. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dan Curzon, and it's my privilege, my task today to lead us in the next part of our series on Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray. And this part is all about unanswered prayer. And this is something that can really shake faith, or it can shape faith. It's something that if you leave it untended, it can really make a difference. Whereas if you look at it and meet it head on, it can make a difference in a positive way. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 22, from verse 39 to 46. And just before we get into it, I just want to set the scene. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. This is just before Jesus is about to be taken away, brutally beaten, spat upon, and eventually crucified on a cross. This is him at his lowest ebb. He's just told his best friend, you're going to betray me three times. This is Jesus at his most human moment. So we're going to read, this is the Passion Translation, it says, The Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus left the upper room with his disciples and, as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. There he told the apostles, Keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith that is about to come. Then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him, and the angel appeared. He prayed even more passionately, like one being sacrificed, until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. When Jesus finished praying, he got up and went to his disciples and found them all asleep, for they were exhausted and overwhelmed with sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. You need to be alert and pray for the strength to endure the great temptation. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your son who lived on this earth, who felt everything we feel, who experienced everything we experience. And Lord, now I just pray, just calm Holy Spirit, speak through me, I pray, Lord, because if this is me talking, it's useless. But if it's you, Father, it's, it's your word. So Lord, I just pray for that anointing right now in the spirit. Amen. So as you can see behind me, uh, the band have very graciously agreed to stay behind. It is now quarter past nine in the evening. So thank you very much, band. We'll give them a wave. One of them's on his phone, but it's fine. How's it going? Um, so thank you very much to them. But I want to talk a bit now about the worst present I've ever received. And this was actually this Christmas just gone. And it was from the guy who's going to be best man at my wedding. And I would have looked at that and I would have thought, he's going to be my best man. He's going to get me a great present. And I have to say, it was December 23rd that I decided I'm going to open that present because I haven't got him anything yet. And I wanted to gauge where we were at in terms of, are we going really nice, kind of nice, that kind of thing. And I opened it and it was Piers Morgan's autobiography, which meant that the amount of thought that had gone into that gift was, what's the first thing on the Amazon top seller list? 
So I looked at it. I've never expressed a particular amazement of Piers Morgan, but that was what I opened. And my response to this, I will admit, was not the most Christian thing. It wasn't turn the other cheek. It wasn't, I'm going to go get him a great gift, not because I want to make him feel bad, but because I'm going to make him feel good. My response to this was to wrap that book back up and give it back to him as a present that Christmas, having written in it, take back your rubbish present. And so, as I said, my response wasn't the most Christian of things. And it links with this, I do promise, it links with this, because our response to unanswered prayer, our response can shake our faith or it can shape our faith. Because our reactions to unanswered prayer are our responses and reactions to God. And the real thing that I've, I've discovered, which is probably really obvious while preparing this talk, is actually you can't cover all of this in 25 minutes. You need a whole series. You need a whole book. And very luckily for everyone, Pete Gregg agreed. And I, I prayed a prayer at the start of this saying, Lord, I need wisdom here. And about a week later, I looked online and about the same time I prayed that prayer, uh, they launched the prayer course part two, unanswered prayer. So I just want to encourage you that if you really are struggling with this, if there is stuff going on which feels like unanswered prayer to you, go online, do that course, do the research, don't be passive, go and find these things. But we are going to talk about it today. And the question that really kept coming back to me was actually, is prayer ever truly unanswered? Or is it a case of God going, yes, but not how you think? Or is it a case of God going, okay, but there's a journey I want you to go on first because you need to learn some stuff before you can handle that? Or is it a case of actually, no? And the Bible is so clear and so honest that we're going to have struggles that we are going to be told no. We are going to be told, not yet, you just need to do this first. The Bible is so much more clear and so much more honest than we are as Christians about this, that we almost put on a show and say, no, being a Christian is great. We never have any problems. That's just not true. But the one thing we see, and the one thing that should kind of be at the heart of every preach, is look to Jesus. You know, we call ourselves Christians, those of us watching this who follow Christ, Christians means little Christ. It means follower of Christ. And because of that, because he lived on this earth, we can look at what his responses were and follow them. I really take comfort. In fact, Jesus, even Jesus, got told no. We've seen it here. There is no other way. You have to do this. And we have a relational God. So when I say before, is it a case of unanswered prayer, but actually it's, you need to go on this journey first. We have a relational God and we see this in Jesus' healings. Because to some people he heals them and he says, just keep that to yourself. And others, he heals them and he says, go and tell everyone. And I heard an amazing preach on this, uh, I think about a year ago now, and the guy's conclusion was, well, we have a relational God. We have a God who wants to speak to us, who wants to shape us. And Jesus 
being fully man, fully God, would have known these guys before they were even created. He knew them. And he would have known, oh, I tell that guy not to because he's going to make it all about him. He's going to go, wow, look at me, I'm amazing. Or I tell this guy, go and tell everyone. He's going to make it all about Jesus. We have a relational God. He wants a relationship with us. And the best thing about that is we have an empathetic God, not a sympathetic God. And the difference between that is we have a God, a sympathetic God, who would look down and go, oh, sorry about that. Oh, that looks painful. I'm so sorry. No, we have a God who's been here on earth, an empathetic God who's lived these things, who's had horrible things done to him and experienced loss and experienced all the things we experience as humans. And that is Jesus. And Jesus' response to being told no, to being in these situations are things we have to follow as Christians. So what is the first thing that Jesus does? Well, if we read it in the passage, Jesus left the upper room with his disciples and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. As was his habit. He sought God. He sought time with God. He said, I need to pray. And the most poignant example of this is earlier in the Bible where he loses his cousin, John the Baptist. He would have been praying for John. He knew them each other, they knew each other as kids. He would have been praying protection for John. He would have been saying prayers like, Lord, I just pray the best for him. I pray he goes with your protection. And John the Baptist was beheaded. And for those of you who've experienced loss of people you know, people, loved ones, Jesus did too. We have an empathetic God who knows what it's like. And the first thing that Jesus does when John the Baptist gets beheaded and he gets told is seek God. He goes and tries to find a secret place to pray. And we see it again here. He knows what's coming. He knows there's horrible trials ahead. I'm going to go seek God. And I'll be honest, my reaction is not the same. My very human reaction, and it's been happening this week where, you know, things come up, challenges come up. My reaction is to push everyone away. My reaction is not to go and seek God. My reaction is to go into my own shell and think, man, I just need to get through this. Can you just get out of my way, please? And the second thing that Jesus does, he seeks God, he prays, but he also gets people around him. You know, we read it. There he told the apostles. He's brought the apostles with him to share the moment. He says, I need people around me. I need people who know God around me. I need, we need to be church together. And again, that it fights against my reaction. My normal reaction, again, as I said, was push people away. And it's what our culture tells us as well. Our culture says it's important to not need anyone. You need to be self-sufficient. And the Bible totally counters that. Romans 12 verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But it be transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will allow you to discern God's will. Jesus' prayer, 
my will must be your will. This will allow us to discern God's will as we live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And we might think that we're missing out. We're not. Satisfying and perfect, beautiful. That's what our life could be. It's the opposite of what our culture tells us. And the third thing that Jesus does, he sought God in prayer. He's got people around him. The third thing is he wrestles with God. I just want to tell you now, if you're going through a journey of what seems like unanswered prayer or a journey of it's way off in the distance or someone you know is struggling, it's okay to wrestle with God. This is my favourite bit in the Bible about Jesus, is the pause. It's, this is verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. And no matter what version you've got, there'll be, there'll be a comma, there'll be a full stop, there'll be a line, there'll be a pause. And it's that pause where it's Jesus wrestling with God and he finally says, but no matter what, your will must be mine. We have to trust God. Our responses, we can follow Jesus' responses. Seek God and pray. Get people around you and wrestle with God. But we have to trust God. We have to look back on the stuff which he has answered, where he's come through for us in the past, what we've seen him do. We have to let go and let God. That's the that's a phrase, let go and let God. And he'll bring meaning to these things. But let go and let God doesn't mean be passive. It doesn't mean sit back and go, okay, go on then. Because you'll be standing there for a long time. It doesn't mean be passive. There's an amazing story. It's just a story. It's not, I don't think it's real. I hope it's not real. Of a guy who was drowning. And he prays, God, help me. God, help me. And a boat comes along. And they say, come on, get on board. And he goes, no, no, no. God will save me. God will save me. The boat goes away. A submarine comes along. And the submarine people say, the submarine people. The submarine people say, come and get on board. He says, no, 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 God will save me. And the man drowns. And he gets to the pearly gates and he sees St. Peter and he says, what happened? I prayed, well, God, save me. And St. Peter looks at him and just goes, we sent you a boat. We sent you a submarine. If you're passive, it's harder for God to work. And a guy a lot of people in the church will remember was a guy called John Cole Edwards who was diagnosed with cancer and eventually died despite loads of prayers, loads of prayer meetings, you know, real stepping out in faith for healing from a whole church, this church. But what did he do with that time? He didn't wait. He didn't sit back and wait to be healed. He preached the gospel in those months. It's the most amazing story. He didn't just sit back and wait. And we see it here that even though God might say no in struggles, 
doesn't mean he's not with us. The the passage says, Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him and the angel appeared. The angel comes, he strengthens him, but it's not over. He still has to do it. And I just really want to encourage you, if you're having doubts and you think this is really affecting your faith, doubt about unanswered prayer is not a sign of faith diminishing. It's a sign of a faith maturing. And again, we read it in the Bible. In James, we should rejoice when we go through trials. Because trials breed perseverance, and perseverance completes us. God isn't a genie. It's not three wishes and bye, see you later. God is God. He wants a relationship. He wants to grow us. Yes, God meets us where we are, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants to move us forward. He wants to develop us. And our responses, they're the only thing we have control over. And we can help him so much more if we follow Jesus' responses, even when it's difficult, even when it's easy. Run to Jesus. Run to the Father. And the Bible is so honest about this. We have to run to him too. Don't wait for a yes. Don't wait like the guy who was drowning. What if instead of waiting for a definite sign, we went and waited to be told no? The thing that comes to mind at the moment is the discipleship drive that's going on in the church. If you've got it on your heart, you think, yeah, I should be discipling someone but I'm waiting for God to point out who. Make a move now and wait for it to be told no. Because that's still stepping out in faith and you'll still be looked at. That's, that's great faith. The angels will be rejoicing. Now, I love worship songs. I re- I re- it seems like a tangent. It is tied. I really love worship songs because every worship song is a pre-written prayer. And the song that I was sort of led to through preparing this was Oceans, which is quite a common song. You know, we know it here. Um, Band on Red Alert, love that. Um, But the one line that kept coming back to me was, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. So we're just going to dissect that for a second. Spirit, lead me. You know, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tested by the devil for 40 days. He didn't just happen to be there. God led him there. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. God said, go. So Jesus went. He didn't stop and go, sorry, can I I speak to someone, please? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And Jesus' response was, okay. And the Bible is so clear about this. We're not in a jolly sitcom. We're, We're in a war. And as a Christian, we're put on the front line of that war. We're not at the back. We've got a cross on our back. Jesus literally says we've got a cross on our back. That's a target. 
We're going to have these moments where prayer isn't answered and we doubt. Let me walk upon the waters. What does that mean? Trust God. How do we walk on water? We trust in Jesus. Peter shows us. And when we're walking on water, we're not on solid ground. We have to look to him. We have to look to him. If, we, if this unanswered prayer or this journey that you're on or the no is really affecting you, trust God. Trust Jesus. Look to him. Spirit, leave me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Jesus' prayer in this. Your will must be mine. When we're aligned with God, he'll answer our prayers. It might feel like we're not aligned if something hasn't happened immediately, but give it time. There's a journey, there's a process. And how many times have we sung that song? And I said it before, I love worship songs. But how many times do we just sit there and go, yeah, I'll sing because it's quite a nice thing to do. Pray them. I really meant it when every worship song is a pre-written prayer. So I'm just going to invite the band to play, just in the background for now. And just where you are, just where you are, pray that line in your head. Father, Father, help the Spirit lead me. Father, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me look to you. Let me walk upon the waters. Let me follow you wherever you would call me. And you might be watching this and going through something horrible where you're looking to God for the first time but nothing's changed. But let me just encourage you that if you want to know more about Jesus, a, a God who lived through all of this, who experienced loss, who experienced great highs, great lows on earth, get in touch. The contact details for the church will come up at the end. I just pray, get in touch. Just take this moment now. Just ask, Father, just come into my life, I pray. Give me understanding. I pray to see meaning in this horrible situation. And for those of us who are members of the church, those of us who are Christians, I bring up the disciple drive again. Make a move. Make a move and wait to be told no. Don't sit and wait for a submarine, a boat. And the real thing to encourage us is where we can, let's be the answer to prayer. Let's not be passive. Let's look at John Cole Edwards and see that he stepped out. God, even if you don't, even if you don't. For everyone watching this, I just pray now, just come Holy Spirit. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Father, come Holy Spirit. And as the band lead us in the song, don't move from that place. Just invite the Holy Spirit in. You have to invite him into the room and then into the people. That's the way it works. Just come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.